0: As a young leader, I struggled to understand the components of leadership. We use the word, and most people don't think they're leaders, but everybody leads. Everybody. You lead your children. You lead by example. Leadership is crucial and taught throughout the Bible, everywhere. And we tend to miss it. Much of the business training that is out there today, much of the leadership training that is out there today by secular people, colleges, universities, is all biblically based because all truth is parallel. And they won't quote Jesus. They won't give you Bible and verse. Um, But the Bible is the most stunning, phenomenal book when it comes to every area of our lives. Our spiritual life, our soulish life, mind and emotions, and our physical life. This ability to lead a good life, to develop companies, countries, a world, etc. is all been taught to us in the Bible. And so as a new senior pastor... I'd been involved in church all my life and for 14 years working with my dad. Um, when we first began to Pastor Spring, Sal and I, in 94, we saw such staggering growth in the church that numerically in our building we pulled every year. We did that for about five or six years and then it was just absolutely uncontainable if you do the math. And so my problems weren't that I needed to pray harder, I had to figure out how to park cars. My problem wasn't that um, I needed to love people more. I needed to know, to know where to put the toddlers, the babies, the nursing mums when we didn't have room. Um, I didn't need to just go away all week and play golf to de-stress myself. I had to get te- teams together and figure this out. And so I struggled to understand you know, where do skills fit in? Where do my gifts fit in? Um, what kind of education you know, do I need to pursue so that I could do this? And there's so much stuff out there from problem solving to handling teams, uh, skill development, um, developing your own strong soul and emotions, uh, a strong heart. There's just so much stuff. Yet everywhere I go, I find leaders so stressed out. So many leaders, when they're unable to develop themselves properly, and I'm going to show you one thing that's going to change your life today, they begin to become successful very linearly in one area. So they can succeed in business or in career, but it'll cost them their marriage and their kids. Others can have great marriages and families, but they can't seem to succeed in business. Others can succeed in business and in family, but they can't keep a healthy body. Others can't keep a healthy mind. In North America, we struggle with uh, mental and emotional uh, problems. And I think that in North America, we consume 90% of all mental health meds. And so, where there is the most prosperity, where there is the most success, I mean, America being the economic engine of the world and something everyone's looking at, yet you go into that country and you'll see broken people. When a leader does rise up and get successful, you'll notice that if they begin to lose control somewhere, they get angry and controlling and manipulative, Uh, whether it's premiers, whether it's prime ministers, leaders of business the mom leading her kids, a dad leading his family, a pastor leading his church. Every one of us must understand and develop ourselves in this area of leadership. Also people begin to resort to drugs. They'll resort to alcohol. They'll resort to dangerous pleasures to try to lessen the pressure. And the pressure isn't real. Pressure is never real. It's something that you measure and that you interpret and you believe. And so today as we walk through this, I'm going to be talking very fast in a minute. I'm going to just go bam, 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 because I believe that every one of us can be amazing leaders. I believe you can have your cake and eat it too. I believe that you can succeed in every area of life, and that they can all bless each other. And so I'm going to talk to you today about something that I see in the Word of God, and it's coming out of Matthew chapter 25, a well-known portion of Scripture, but a place that we often miss. Key points. We either look at the Scripture too spiritual, and we miss the practical application, or we look at it too practically, and we miss The spiritual application. And there's always both. You can't differentiate a lot of times between the practical and the spiritual. And and that's the problem with Christians. These things are spiritual. Now those things are practical. They go together and to separate them you do it at your own jeopardy here in Matthew 25 is a story about a man and it says the kingdom of heaven is like this now the kingdom of heaven is not talking about the place heaven it's talking about the kingdom of heaven two kingdoms on the planet the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of darkness is always going to be fighting against freedom it's always going to be fighting against health it's always going to be fighting against happiness and joy and great management there's a kingdom two of them the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. If the kingdom of darkness raises up better leaders than the kingdom of light, then you're in big trouble in your country. You're in big trouble everywhere. And the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of heaven, needs to develop every one of us in our skill sets so we can begin to do what God's called us to do. So the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his servants and he delivered. I'm going to change some words around because we get so messed up sometimes by not understanding the word properly or studying it. And so he calls his servants together and he delivers his goods, his resources he delivers to them. To one he gives five talents, to another two, and to another one. Why did they get five, two, and one? Next line says this. Each according to their ability." Isn't God interesting? He doesn't give to you according to your gender. Resources don't come to you according to your um, color of skin. Resources don't come to you uh, because of education. It says here that this resource, now the King James calls it talents, and people got really messed up when they actually thought it meant what gifts do you have, what your talents. No, no, a talent was a bag of gold. Okay, and it represented so many years of your salary. It's just talking about resource. So here, the master gives somebody five. He gives somebody two. He gives somebody one, and he wasn't um, being unfair. He was he was giving out resource according to the present ability that person had. Very interesting. So, the guy with five, it says, he went out and traded with them. He did business with them. This is very secular. <laughs> you know. There's no such thing as secular. It's, everything is spiritual. And he went out and he made five. The guy with two went out and traded with it. And he made another two. He had four. The guy with one buried it. Now, he had an ability to handle the one because he was given the resource of one because the master knew he could handle the one. He came back and he spoke with each of them. And he said to the guy with five, you've been faithful with little. I'm making you a leader, a ruler over much. Hmm. The guy with two. He, you've been given two because he had an ability of two. He was, so he was given a resource of two. But he took the resource and he went from an ability of two to an ability of... Thank you. The guy with five had an ability of five, given a resource of five, took the five, went and worked with it, and the resource and the ability went to Okay, I want you to really get this, because people have read this and studied this and spiritualized it, and, 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 and you'll, I'll talk with people all the time, God, I just pray you'll give me a, a $250,000 job. Great, you're about to get a resource of $250,000. Do you have an ability? to handle the office that goes with the income. The guy with one was told that he was uh, lazy and he was. He made excuses like so many do. It was taken from the guy with one and given to the guy with 10. Why was it given to the guy with 10? Because if you study this parable out, He's always, resources always follow ability. It must have been that the guy with 10 at that point could handle the one better than the guy with four. Or if the guy, so this is something we see and and we've got to, and don't look too deep into parables. Just see what what Jesus is saying. So he said, if you're faithful over a few things, I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You're going to notice in life, you can spiritualize a lot of things, but let's remember that everything is spiritual. Let's bring it together. That the fullness of joy has a lot to do, according to this, with fulfilling purpose. And when you don't feel purposeful, when you don't feel like you add significance To life, to the company, to the family, to wherever you are, you begin to feel inadequate and you lose your joy. And people begin to look for purpose. Many people who become wealthy recognize right away they have no purpose because their wealth um, is simply a tool to develop the tool, to, imbe- to develop a chainsaw better and better and better and better and better till it's the chainsaw that makes the whole world sing. But to never use it for any purpose is to be really unhappy. There's no purpose to your giftedness, your stewardship, your personal capacity, your ability. And so here, this is talking about something that I'm just going to call personal capacity. You have, everybody has a personal capacity. And we have to understand that your quality of life is determined by your personal capacity, not by your education, your skill, your giftedness, your ability, not by just your stewardship, your spiritual life. There is something that we see in here that is called personal capacity. Years ago, an old friend of mine kind of put a little formula together and he said, Your ability plus uh, God's resource. Plus, your stewardship equals personal capacity. So, how you steward your abilities when the resource comes in, that's called stewardship you and I are not owners you do not own anything you have some people think well this is my money I made it no God gave you that and he said you are not your own you have been bought with a price you have given yourself to Jesus you are stewarding your giftedness your ability you are stewarding any resource or opportunity or position or influence that he gives you there's different ways to look at resource you are stewarding it for the kingdom of God so every person on the planet has a personal capacity and everything God gives you in life has the ability to increase the church should be putting out leaders of such caliber you know people often I'll meet with pastors and they want to know spiritually what I do to have Churches and cities and televisions around the world and, and programs in different languages and, and schools and, and all the things. And, and people just think, man, my has God blessed you? Of course. But God's resource follows ability. If your ability and your stewardship is not changing, then you can't handle the resource that God is pouring out. If three men walked up here and they are so thirsty, and I have got a hose. And I'm going to give them each a drink of water, but one's got a three-ounce cup, one's got a nine-ounce cup, and one's got a whole backpack five-gallon thing he uses when he uses his bike. And so I just let them have as much water as they can. I'm just pouring till their cup overflows, which is biblical throughout the Bible. Your cup is always overflowing. He always gives you more than you could ask or think or imagine. But do you have the capacity to do anything with it? So the guy with three ounces, he's got three ounces. He's going to throw that back and be thirsty in minutes. The guy with eight at least gets a full cup of water. There's water all over the floor. But they can't use that resource because they don't have the capacity capacity to hold it, to use it, to apply it. The guy with the entire backpack, well, that guy can go for a few hours. But the guy that's got a line to a cistern, etc. So you understand capacity. You have a personal capacity. And that's what the Bible is teaching us here. And so we must be developing our personal capacity. People are praying for money. People are praying for blessing. People are praying for favor. People are praying for wisdom. And I, like all of, all of that is needed. But the quality of your life is going to be determined, as I'm speaking to Christians, all things being, is going to be determined by your personal capacity. So I want to say that again. You have an existing ability And God gives you the resource, but you're only going to be able to hold as much as you have an ability for. And then as you steward that, those two things, steward the ability that you have and the resource that's been given to you, the resource grows. Two became four, five became 10. And as the resource grows, your ability grows, and then, because your stewardship is getting better, which is your management ability. Management is the key. It's, it's the key of life, keys of life. If you, whatever you manage well, um, wow, is amazing. Whatever you don't manage well will control you. Man, I want to go in so many directions, but. If you don't manage your marriage well, you'll be divorced and you'll be back on eHarmony looking for another one because you didn't manage your marriage. you don't manage your health, you'll lose your health. You'll go back to, um, you know, you're going to die. You're going to leave. And so if you don't manage your mind, your emotions, you won't. they're going to control what you can handle, what you can do, what kind of relationships you can work. Whatever you manage well brings blessing. Whatever you don't manage controls you. So as we look at this, these are biblical principles and all all these pastors would want to know is, you know, how do I pray? And they'd want to know like, you know, and and, and I go like, I don't pray more than you. I'm not more spiritual than you. I'm not seeking, The one guy said, well, you must spend countless hours in prayer a day. And I would say what I was taught, I I probably don't spend more than 15 minutes in prayer, but I probably don't go more than 15 minutes without talking to God about things. It's just a, a prayerful life. When you look at people in the Old Testament, like King David, who killed a lion, then he killed a bear, then he killed a giant. He, he was, it, it's not that those were problems. No. Was his destiny because his ability went after that lion with the resource that he had was a slingshot. He used that thing. He was practicing with that slingshot all the time. And he was fighting and he went out and ripped apart this, this lion. He killed a bear and then he went after Goliath. And each of these things he was using his ability, what God, the opportunities God gave him, the presence of God, the resource of God. And eventually he became a king that was running a country and had the resources of hundreds of thousands of soldiers, talent, etc. A steward is someone who looks after another's resources. Even tithing. You know, tithing in Malachi chapter three ten says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me, test me, says the Lord of hosts. If I did not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain it. Now, all through I see this language. When God pours out a blessing upon you, it's always overflowing. But if you can increase your personal capacity, you can take that overflowing of blessing and do something with it. So, five minutes, what can I do? So many people look at me as a pastor, and, they, and, they, and there are spiritual truths that I follow, absolutely, and spiritual disciplines. But what I discovered at a young age was I needed to look at business principles, leadership principles, and I needed to stop looking at them as the enemy, as something secular. And I needed to recognize that that that's all in God's word and that as God would use me as a pastor. Today people ask me, well, what are you? I don't know. I don't know if I'm really a pastor. I have great men who pastor and they got such a pastor's heart. Um, I, I sense leadership. I sense like I want to lead the body of Christ somewhere. I want to help people with leadership. When you, and so let's finish up on capacity. So a prophet died, and his wife was poor. And so she asked the other, another prophet, what should I do? He said, What have you got? She said, A, a jar of oil. He said, hmm. So that's the only resource she had. He said, Go out and borrow as many jars as you can off your neighbors. She went out, borrowed every jar she could, and at some point that was enough. And the oil was poured into every jar until the last one was filled. And then the cruise of oil stopped. Why didn't she go to a second village and just borrow some? She decided how many vases were in her house that she was filling up with oil. The oil kept coming until the vases she had gathered We're all filled. Another beautiful quick look at that our capacity is limiting God. He's pouring out blessing. But what good is it if your cup overflows and it just runs in the dirt, runs in the sand, runs on the carpet, um, but you haven't got something to go work with. Jethro and Moses found the same thing in Exodus 18. Moses, he was having a hard time handling the people. And Jethro, uh, who was from another city, it was his father-in-law, said, what you do is not good. And he said, why? Because he was stressed out. He had gotten to his set point, if you want to call it, or your level of hard. Whenever you find something hard, you have reached your limit and you are going to plateau, or quit, or fail. And our language becomes, oh, I've just had enough of this. I'm finished. I've heard moms talk to their kids that way. And I think they use it just to try to discipline them that this is the last time I'm finished. But you're teaching your kids limited personal capacity. Mom's done, dad's done. And you shouldn't use language that teaches your kid that there's a limit it should be, hey, I'm speaking once. <laughs> You've got like 30 seconds. When I come back, there's, then there's going to be a problem. And stop giving them the opportunity to let you scream and talk and scream and talk until finally they know, you're done! Because they'll just manipulate you. It's just natural in this fallen world to do that. And so we need to understand this level of hard. That this, and it's there for every one of us. Now, once you hit that You've got a decision to make. And that decision is whether you are going to go with the flesh and now you're going to try to manipulate. If you're owning a company and you're stressed, you're trying to pay bills, you can't handle the two teams that you've got. You're trying to supervise, you're trying to get onto the job site. Or you're a politician and you're trying to work the systems uh, that the government has in place. And so you've got a set chessboard and you've got certain moves you can do and can't do. And so chess, though, has got a lot of moves. And to be a good chess player, you just got to know which ones to move when when it comes to getting ahead. These are not just skills and abilities. These are things that we must steward and work at and believe and trust that God is going to always give you the resource you need to continue to increase in your personal capacity. So what is your pain threshold? What's your threshold of hard? A a teacher that we brought in who's supposed to be one of the top 25 business consultants in the world, Sam Chand, speaks all the time about the only difference between you and someone way beyond you is they can handle more pain. When they hit their pain threshold, they adapt, they change. Others marinate in their pain and their frustration. Tell everybody how hard they work. Tell everybody how stressed out they are. Replay all the things that they do uh, that no one sees. And they now begin to marinate in this set point, this pain threshold, their threshold of hard. Whereas great leaders, do not you don't even know what they're doing. until You know, they'll die and people will start talking about them and realize, do you know how much this is accomplished here? Because while others are complaining and whining, and do you know what I'm going to give you any idea how much I'm doing? And that's more important to them than changing that pain threshold and moving it way up so they can go into another season and do more for their family, their marriage, their business, their, their nation, the kingdom of God. And so one of the things I want to give you in closing is Recognize the power of Galatians 5.22, which is the fruit of the Spirit or the strengths that Holy Spirit has brought into your spirit. And recognize that in 2 Corinthians 12.20, it says there as a believer, if you don't increase in your personal capacity properly, that your leadership, your life, your marriage, your family, your business, your, everything will have discord. It'll be jealousy, there'll be fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. That's what happens when people don't grow in the things of God and develop their personal ability. These nine strengths are not something that you haven't heard about. But until you love the people around you that you are leading, which means to have value for them. Until you value and, and then you, until you learn to walk in joy, which is a calm, great feeling. Happiness comes from happenings. Whatever's happening gives you happiness. I'm going to go water skiing. I'm so happy I'm going water skiing. Huh? But joy is a disciplined force that comes from the spirit that you can develop and these nine fruits of the spirit which I p- could have cared less my entire life and looking at them not my entire life but as a young leader I begin to recognize that a leader with joy is almost impossible to weaken that person a leader with a of, is almost impossible to get him off course because his love will keep him. A leader that is kind, that has long-suffering, that has got self-control, who is gentle or humble. Faithfulness, which is fruitfully faithful. Kindness, which is moral integrity. Long-suffering, which is patience. Peace, these strengths will have you in the midst of a where everyone's freaking out chicken littles are running everywhere trying to get you to make the wrong move because the biggest thing is making the wrong decision making the wrong move but leaders who walk in these strengths they can easily hear the voice of God and I want to challenge you today with this your personal capacity people quit marriages I've had enough there's just no more and Okay, I'm not saying that there's not a place where you can. Because there is. But is it just because you have limited personal capacity? Some people quit careers, leave cities, leave countries. Pat it! Okay, fine. Sometimes I think that's very smart. But not smart if you're doing it before you increase your personal capacity. Some people change careers. They've had enough. They're stressed out. They don't know they can't do anymore. And I said, totally agree. If. You have been developing your personal capacity, and this is not just because your personal capacity, um, this pain threshold, this threshold of hard has stressed you out, messed you up. You're taking your work home, and it's messing up your marriage. You're taking your work into your kids, and you're messing up your kids. Your emotions are messed up. Your health is dying. Or your marriage problem is being taken to work and making your work hard. Or your parenting problem is wrecking your marriage. Your parenting problem is wrecking you going to work. You can't even concentrate this issue of personal capacity impacts every area of your life God knows it he understands it and he's teaching you and I to develop and to grow and Holy Spirit will guide you in it I want to give you one assignment just please wake up to your personal capacity that's what's ringing your bell that's what's hurting you, limiting you. That's what's making you stressed, angry, freaking out. That's what's limiting your future and causing you to doubt and get into unbelief to look at what you've got and not be thankful is personal capacity. Increase it and watch life change. Father, I pray today that every one of us would begin to think in this direction. And Holy Spirit, you will guide each of us. In this area, Father, I pray that you'd give us great leaders in our church, our school, our television company. I pray that, Father, in this nation of Canada, I pray that, everyone's list, that everyone who is listening to me, Father, would rise up. And never allow themselves to be plateaued, but to continue to allow you to guide them, to increase, to develop ability and stewardship because resource always follows our personal capacity. If you're watching today and you don't know this Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you need to understand that as you hear the teaching of God's Word, faith rises in your heart. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And that's why you feel like, I think I need this. You do. You need Jesus. And so pray this simple prayer of you giving him permission because he's giving you free will that he won't violate. And just say, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for sending Jesus who died in my place and gives me a gift of salvation. Jesus, come into my heart. I'm following you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Welcome to the family of God. Whoever prayed that prayer